Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Week 8 edition. Patriots celebrating a big win over the Chargers, as they always do every time these two teams play, it seems. Hope you all had a great and safe Halloween out there in Patriots Nation. Usually this is the time of year the league and the season is half over, but there's 17 games now, so we're like almost half over. Not sure what the actual number is, Rich Hill. 48%, 47% over. we got to wait till halftime of next week, the official halfway point of the season. But then to the breaks. But... After week eight, Patriots are officially a 500 team, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this, buddy, because uh, looking around the league and what happened in the NFL this past week, uh, given injuries and various results and teams barely eking out a win, other teams losing, uh, I cannot remember a time the American Football Conference has been this completely, completely wide open. Oh, I completely agree. Um, I'm doing well, by the way. Happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, This was a spooky weekend. This was a very spooky weekend. Uh, I mean, top down in this conference, there are 11, 12 teams that are potentially competing for a playoff spot. Uh, Really just the Jets, who have somehow beat two current playoff teams, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Dolphins are out of it. Those are that's basically it. The Patriots have already played those games other than the Jaguars. Um, but other than those four teams, anyone can make it. Uh, I mean, from the top, you have the Titans, currently the number one seed in the conference at six and two. But they might lose Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. So if he's gone, this Titans team is done. The Raiders, I don't think, strike fear into anyone's hearts. The the Ravens, they're a team uh, that might be willing to contend, but you know they've lost to the Raiders and they got blown out by the Bengals. They barely beat the Detroit Lions, which is a terrible sign. Uh, so they are eminently beatable. Uh, the Bills are good. The Bills are good. Then that's going to be difficult for the Patriots who have two games against them. But looking at teams like the Bengals, which lost to the Jets, the Steelers, who look hapless, and Ben Roethlisberger is completely cooked. Uh, but, you know, they did beat the Browns, who the Patriots are currently tied with at 4-4. Four and four. The Chargers at 4-3 and three, that the Patriots pretty much should have dominated. The Chiefs look terrible, both on offense and on defense. The Browns are reeling. They have so many injuries. The Broncos, no one cares about. And the Colts are just not a great team. This is anyone's conference. No, it really is. Again, I think really, I think the Bills are the team to beat in the conference. It really is too bad about the Titans. It was kind of cool in a weird way to see the two best teams in the AFC being the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans. <laughs> that never, it never happens. The Titans haven't been good since like 2004, the Steve McNair era. But 
it's cool in a way, but the Titans losing Derrick Henry, I agree. I just don't think they can really overcome that. I know they just signed Adrian Peterson, but there's just no comparison in terms of an over-the-hill Hall of Famer versus an up-and-coming Hall of Famer. Maybe the MRI will reveal the injury isn't as bad as we're all hoping it would, uh, hoping it isn't, and he can come back. But he should miss at least some extended time, and who knows what that's going to do with the Titans' record going forward. Uh, it's too bad. The Browns are that one of those teams, man, I agree. They're not scaring anybody. The Steelers are no good. They beat them. I don't know what's going on with the Jets, how the hell the Jets beat the, the Bengals. Maybe Mike White is the answer. He had like a 400-yard day. A QB <laughs> controversy is is in full effect over there in New York. Uh, I don't know what's going on, Rich. But I do know, Rich, one thing you can always count on, as I mentioned earlier, if the Patriots play the Chargers, the Patriots are probably going to win because Belichick just has Justin Herbert's number. Where do you want to start with this game? I mean, let's start with uh, Justin Herbert, as you started off there. He finished the game 18 of 35, so a fraction over uh, 50% completion rate for 223 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, both of which from Adrian Phillips or by Adrian Phillips, who returned one of them in the fourth quarter for a touchdown. Heartbreaking for the Chargers. Uh, But, you know, after they opened the game 41 yards to Keenan Allen, the Patriots did a pretty great job of just stifling them the rest of the way. I, I know that they uh, finished with a pass to Palmer, 24 yards for a touchdown with 40 seconds left on the clock. Complete garbage time sort of score uh, that kind of helped him rack up some of it. The bigger concern in my mind was the fact that the, the Chargers had a little bit more production on the ground. Uh, but Belichick did a lot of great things against Herbert to disguise the coverage. You know, they opened up showing man, switched to zone, really had him flustered. Who is your defensive star in the secondary that you would say this is why they were able to succeed so much against Herbert? The obvious answer there, Rich Hill, is Adrian Phillips and his two-interception day, one of which being the pick six that more or less put them out of reach. However, uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a a lesser uh, prediction in terms of secondary. I'm going to say Joe John Williams, actually, is my guy. He didn't really still open the stat sheet very much. Only had three tackles, I think, but... He was around the ball, and a lot of the times when they, they cheated him over to the strong side, whenever uh, uh, the quarterback, whose name immediately escapes me, like they did Justin Herbert, one of those mornings, Rich, sorry, buddy. When Justin Herbert was like, looking for his primary read, well, he was just kind of there, and it allowed Phillips to be a little more rangy in the box. Uh, he didn't have as good a game as, say, Kyle Duggar did, but if I'm going to kind of do a deep cut, of a of a secondary player that maybe didn't show up the way you think a Phillips would on the stat sheet, but had a pretty solid game and allowed the game plan to unfold as it has. Uh, I'm going Joe John Williams, and I think he's really coming to his own this season. Interesting. I mean, I, I think that the uh, the secondary overall did a very good job. I, my mind goes to J.C. Jackson, who uh, he did give up that 41 yarder to start the game. But then after that, he was lights out. He had a great game out there. Uh, He also was one that saved that 75-yard run from being a touchdown after Dante Hightower missed the block uh, or or missed the tackle at the beginning of the play. And so I I think that J.C. Jackson had his day out there, uh, which is a little bit of a boom bust. But he did enough that he allowed the other players to succeed. He played up. Uh, most of his time uh, against Keenan Allen, I believe. Uh, if I'm sure that the zone kind of really affected how this is going to get charted out. Uh, but Keenan Allen, he got his. But after that 41-yarder, uh, he, he had 10 more targets, five catches for, for 36 yards. Uh, so I think at the end of it, it was a great job defending what was potentially a very big day. Uh, you know, you have Jared Cook out there, five catches for or five targets for two catches, 25 yards. Duggar did a great job against him. Mike Williams, two catches on five targets for 19 yards. Uh, so 
Jalen Mills, Keenan Allen, uh, or, or did a great job out there. And, and this Chargers receiving core, who could have had a big day, uh, as we talked about in our preview, uh, they were stopped by J.C. Jackson, Jalen Mills, and company. So I think everyone had a good day in that secondary for the Patriots. But most notably, I agree, Adrian Phillips with uh, with two interceptions definitely gets the gold star. 100%. Question, though, Rich, we're talking about the secondary right now, and he played okay. It's not like I want to pick on him specifically, but he was the guy on a last-minute touchdown, and they've had to move Jalen Mills out to the outside corner a lot since Jonathan Jones went down. He doesn't really work as well as an outside corner. He's really more effective in the slot. Do you see the Patriots stick with him at the outside corner? Or are they going to find some new combination of guys there to move him back into the slot where he belongs? Yeah, I mean, that's tough because I, I don't think that he – is best out there. I think, fortunately, Miles Bryant is able to step into that heart of that defense and take over that role uh, in the slot like far better than I could have expected. Uh, he's doing a great job. He was also covering Keenan Allen out there, uh, but he plays that star role of playing in the nickel, a little bit of safety out there. Um, and so as long as Bryant is able to play that well, Mills is going to be a matchup situation. He, he has outplayed... Uh, Juwan Williams, he's outplayed the other backup cornerbacks out there, so Mills should be out there. But honestly, it should just come down to matchups. I, I think that Mills uh, should take some of the shiftier guys. Juwan Williams should get more of the, the larger players out there uh, because Williams has also played well in his time uh, as of late. And so I, I think that they need to go more matchup situation. But honestly, like, and I know that you mentioned this, you don't want to nitpick in anything like that. Anytime you can hold a quarterback like Justin Herbert to 223 passing yards, the bulk of which came in garbage time on that final drive, you'll take it. I'm not going to look this gift horse in the mouth. I think that Mills did a good enough job in order for the Patriots to win. And now, like with this game against the Chargers and the previous game against the Buccaneers, this secondary has done a great job against really good offenses. Uh, and other than this blip against the Dallas Cowboys, which was just, just ghastly, to be honest, just ghastly. But other than that one... I think that this defense is probably pretty good in its current state. I agree. No, I, I agree. I, with the uh, with the trade deadline happening today, we're going to talk about that toward the end of the podcast. Or I know secondary was one of the positional groupings that's been floated around as potential target for the Patriots in the wake of the Stephon Gilmore trade and wake of Jonathan Jones being out for the season. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts if they try to move for a quarter a cornerback at all. But overall, the secondary has been very, very good. And, you know, if the, the, the two leading receivers are Keenan Allen, who's one of the better receivers in the league, and then the running back is number two. That's always a good thing. Again, you mentioned also that the Patriots did give up some yards on the ground. But, again, other than those kind of two big runs by Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, Eckler had like a 28, 29-yarder, and Jackson had a 75-yarder, also kind of limited to the ground, which is nice. Uh, I feel like they really wanted to focus on forcing Herbert to throw it, and they did, and he was 50% passer, which always means that the Patriots usually get the better of that. And in no small part to maybe the second-best rookie, on the team so far this season in Christian Barmore. Totally. Had himself a nice monster game. He's really coming into his own, Rich. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I think that Barmore is, uh, I think according to Pro Football Focus, he has generated more like defensive pressures than any defensive rookie, uh, which is huge coming from a defensive tackle. The Patriots have asked him to take on that Adam Butler role and a little bit of those sub packages, providing those pressure up the gut. But he is really providing a really good complementary uh, approach to the other defensive tackles out there. Um, so whether the Patriots have Devon Godshaw out there on the nose, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to limit a little bit of the Lawrence guy out there 
Barmore has done a great job. He has been the best defensive tackle, and it's represented in the stat sheet. He's playing more than any other defensive tackle. He is right now the best defensive tackle on the roster. So love that coming from a rookie who, like, you know, we were talking about this back in the draft. He should have been a top 15 pick. He's playing like it. He's giving the Patriots a lot of flexibility out there. Belichick has to be thrilled with that. And the more Barmore plays, the more experience that he gets. Like, obviously, you don't want the Patriots uh, to give up these huge runs like they were. 75 yards, 28 yards are completely unacceptable. Um, but I, I would point more towards the this middle of the field, that linebacker position, as being the big issue, as opposed to the defensive front. Because Judon is an all-star Barmore is coming along very well, and I think that you have some pretty strong talent on that line. Um, but the real question in my mind comes from that linebacker spot, and how much longer uh, are we going to hope for Dante Hightower to take that return to what he was before? Yeah, I don't know if Hightower will come back at this point, honestly. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. And if he's not, that's totally fine. He's had a Patriots Hall of Fame career, full stop. But he was in on that 75-yard run, as you mentioned, and he is not the best linebacker on this team right now. There's really no way around it. He's kind of the last star watch of the Patriot way. Hightower, maybe Matthew Slater and McCourty are kind of that last holdovers in terms of the locker room presence and how to work hard and how to conduct yourself. But that's probably his biggest contribution to the team right now is what he's doing off the field. There's still half the season left, a little more than half the season left, so he can still turn it around. I know it takes a full season sometimes to fully get back to speed, but I, I am going to be monitoring him because, yeah, he's just not quite the – the guy we thought he was, and again, that's okay. Overall, though, I think a good performance by the defense. Two turnovers is never a bad thing. A pick six. Both the turnovers by Adrian Phillips led to points. Unfortunately, Rich Hill, uh, it could have been a lot more points and probably should have been a lot more points because on the offensive side of the ball, although they played well, they did enough to win, it wasn't Mac Jones' best day in terms of decision-making and accuracy. And more concerning to me, Rich, is A, the play calling in and around the red zone, and on top of that, and combined with that, their inability to get touchdowns in the red zone and settling for field goals. Because even though it was more or less over when they went up 27-17, to 17, they could have had a lot more points on a lot more drives. They just could not punch it in. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, they turned the ball over on downs on the one-yard line, so they failed to convert in the second. They got it down to the six-yard line, had to settle for a field goal. Again, not very acceptable. Uh this has been an issue that has hampered them for the past three years. Honestly, since they lost Gronkowski, they've really been unable to punch things into the end zone with any great consistency. Uh, there's two things at play here, Alec, and I'd love to know your thoughts on it. One, uh, why was Josh McDaniels calling so many passing plays? Like, why? This is the worst run defense in the league, and you have one of the best running attacks in the league. What was going through Josh McDaniels' head? Why were they, they passing the ball on the goal line? Yeah, that really is the question, man. I mean, you have a very big running back in Ramondre Stevenson. I imagine you drafted him to be that goal line back. And the bottom line is if your goal to go from like inside the, the three yard line and you have basically three shots to do it, I want to see at least two runs. If you want to do one play action to a tight end, fine. But there's no reason to throw the ball that many times, especially on like a fade route to Jacoby Myers on fourth and goal. I cannot understand that play call unless they're just so desperate to get Myers, his first touchdown. They want to that, that way. I'll understand that. But I mean, it, it's really a, a telling situation when it's fourth and goal and you're throwing a fade route and it's not to Nikhil Harry. I'll say that too, because that is exactly the play. I imagine they drafted him to make, he had a two catches. So good for him, I guess, but that is a Nikhil Harry play or a tribute Nikhil Harry play. 
I don't know, Rich. It's tough. You know, again, if you want to make the case that you want to save the running back's legs and not wear them out early in the season between the 20s, limit their carries, that's fine. Whatever, I will accept that. But I feel like when you have the size and the ability and the talent in goal to go inside the five, you run, run, run the ball. And if they if they run it four times and they can't get it in, so be it. Fair enough. But I'd like to see them at least try it a lot more because something's got to change there. Oh, totally. I mean, I, part of me is just like, were they overthinking it? You know how the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, they were just like, we put out our three big defensive tackles, and so therefore they had to throw the ball. And then the Seahawks were like, yeah, so that's why we threw the ball. And it's just like, I mean, you pro- if you ran it, you probably still would have made it. Like, uh, to, let's let's be honest here. It's much easier to run the ball than it is to stop the run. And I, I think that you have uh, a matchup situation here where, the Chargers, even if they're showing run defense, are not a good run defense. And if you can't move the line in four attempts, then you've failed to do that. And that's like your fault. But to spread the ball and pass it, like you don't have that argument that, well, the passing game was working. So like, why didn't we? That's why we kept doing it. That was definitely not the hot hand. The, the passing game was not succeeding. And then you go down to the goal line and short yardage and exactly what you said. The back, the fade in the end zone is one of the lowest percentage plays in the red zone. Like, there's no reason to ever call that in the first place. But then to give it to Jacoby Myers, who is not going to outjump anybody, is not the move. If you're going down to that goal line and you're saying, we're going to run some specific goal line passing plays, bring in Johnny Smith. Let him do that yard after the catch. You know, like, do that slip screen and say, good luck tackling our 260-pound tight end in open field, you five foot 10, 190-pound defensive back. Like, he's just going to fall forward and score. Or, you know what, if you spread it out, get under center and fake it so when you have the QB sneak. There's no reason that the, the Patriots should go out into spread formation by the goal line and not try to get a little bit more creative than what they were doing down there. I personally think this was a huge case of them overthinking it all. And this is where my other point comes in. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. You have a 250-pound running back on Ramondre Stevenson. Let him go. Just let him run. Do a QB sneak now and then. Why not? You're, you're going to spread them out. That makes it a little bit easier for you just to do a quick snap and try and just fall over the goal line. I, I think that there is just a need to do a little bit too much. You have your your six foot three tight ends. Throw it to them. If you're giving a jump ball out there, give it to them. Um, because giving it to your smaller, not as athletic players like Jacoby Myers, who is great between the twenties, and perhaps there are other plays that you could have drawn up to get him involved by the goal line. Those play calls were not it. How about this? Which I have an idea. How about me like third and goal with the one, line up in shotgun. Delay draw to Brandon Bolden. What do you think about that play? How would that work for you? <laughs> well, I thought they reserved that, that for third and short in between the 20s, Alec. You don't want to bust that out every time. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, yeah, man. Again, like, I, it just seems that we've, we've had this conversation before. And obviously we're nitpicking here because they got the win. And maybe the thought process was the defense is playing well enough. You're going to give them a long field, the Chargers. They're going to have to go 99 yards to score. They've done nothing to indicate they're capable of doing that based on how defense is playing. So if they don't get in the end zone, so what? But there are going to be teams that can score 99-yard drives. And when you have a rookie quarterback and the offense is still kind of gelling, points really, really matter. They just really do. And it's a good confidence thing. And we've always said from the season, very beginning, this is going to be a running team. We're going to be in your face, control the clock, smart play, smash more football that utilizes the tight ends and the running backs that maybe opens up for the deep shot down the field. And 
We're not really seeing that. Although I will say, Rich, we got a deep shot to Aguilar that went for yeah, 40 totally. um, some yards, whatever it was. So, I mean, we're, we're getting some good plays. But I feel like, honestly, I think I, I wrote about it in my, my fan notes. If you were somehow to only watch, like, a play every now and then, you'd either think, what the hell are they doing? These plays don't work. Or, like, there it is. That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> it's like they mixed up the stuff that we didn't want with the stuff they did want. And the stuff that we did want worked. Stuff we didn't want didn't work. But, you know, when... They get a win on the West Coast, I'll take it. It's just, it's frustrating to watch sometimes. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's kind of been the, the story of this season, is that you see some teases of some really good play, and then just some maddeningly infuriating coaching decisions. <coughs> uh, you know, like, you're seeing them become a little bit more aggressive, which is great. They should. I love that. Uh, but then they're also just being super conservative at times, uh, where they're like making the weird like oh they're they're stacking the box against the run so let's pass it and it's like i mean you have michael and wainu who is about a thousand pounds at right tackle like just run behind him he is an all pro player just do that like you'll be fine um i am curious alec and this is kind of my last thought on this kendrick Bourne, he had his fumble in chargers territory definitely stalled a drive and after that happened he only played one more snap and in his place, Nikhil Harry rose from the ashes, played 12 snaps the rest of the way, had two catches for 30 yards. Is this, uh, is this the time that Nikhil Harry is going to finally take on more of a role in this offense? Because the Patriots have, for the past couple of weeks since Harry returned, uh, has, have allowed him to be the run-blocking wide receiver. And he's done adequately out there. I mean, there's definitely some like major goofs out there, like, come on, man, where he's like blocking his own players. But in general, he's been fine as a blocker. They like his size out there. Uh, he gives them a bigger body on the outside that, you know, Aguilar, Bourne, and Myers are not the, that player. Harry can give them that body. Uh, he could be, in your, as you said, that guy in the red zone that can be that big body target. Is this the time that Harry is going to take on more of a role for this offense? Boy, is it indicative of Harry's tenure in New England when he has two catches for 30 yards. And we're like, yes, this is it. He's, He's breaking out. Here we, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that is a breakout game for Nikhil Harry based on his performance in years past. But I don't think so, honestly. I am officially out on Nikhil Harry until he has a breakout game. Uh, I'm not going to give two passes, two catches for 30 yards. I think Hendrick Bourne's a better player. The fumble was egregious, but it wasn't like he just dropped it. It was a good play by the defense. Got to be a little more secure with the ball, and it's all a pretty promising drive. But he's been a very key part of this offense so far. He's really coming into his own. I think he'll be back on the field against Carolina like nothing ever happened. That's just kind of how Belichick likes to operate. You fumble and you're out, mostly. Uh, unless you're an absolutely key cog and they can't really afford to lose you. But maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong. Again, Nikhil Harry is an athletic player. He is a good blocking wide receiver. He does provide value to the offense. If nothing else, he's a big body out there for after the catch yards. But I just don't think he's really earned Mac Jones' trust. I don't think there's been a scenario where he really needed a play and he went to Nikhil Harry. He usually goes to Jacoby Myers. That's the guy who he his safety blanket as of right now. We'll see. Um, but uh, Nikhil Harry isn't somebody I'm going to be going to be banking on uh, going forward. Which leads me to a question actually I have for you, Rich, as we close this podcast down, celebrating a, a big win, getting back to 500 with a key tiebreaker over the charge, most importantly, should it come down to that as the playoffs inch slowly closer. Today at 4 p.m. is the NFL trade deadline. Mm. And there's already been a couple of trades made. Von Miller has gone from the Broncos to the Rams, which is kind of crazy. The Patriots are always not 
the most active players around the trade deadline. They'll occasionally maybe make some back-end roster moves or something along those lines. But there have been a couple of positions that people are talking about the Patriots making for a trade, maybe some secondary help, maybe a receiver help. Uh, is there anybody in particular as the trade deadline approaches for the Patriots you'd like to see them go after? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that there are a few specific things. I, I think that for the Patriots, you got to look up and down and say, what have they done historically? And at this point in the trade deadline, they're usually like, here's a sixth round pick, give us a veteran in the seventh. Or like, here's a fifth round pick, here's a veteran in the sixth. Like, they, they do that pick trade down sort of move. But they're looking for people who are veterans. Uh, either rookies with like a year or two left on their contract or veterans who are on very team-friendly deals. And there are a few of them out there. Um, I, I think that what they are needing and looking for are positions that have been depleted by injury where they need to have a veteran presence where there isn't uh, a space just to have like rookies and younger players taking over the, the whole depth chart. And when I look up and down this roster, I'm not exactly sure where that position is. I, I think that there is space potentially at cornerback uh, to add a little bit more depth because they are going to miss Jonathan Jones. They don't have Stephon Gilmore. They're missing Jason McCourty from previous years. So hint, hint, maybe that's a return. Uh, but I, I would say if there was a position that the Patriots were to address, I would say linebacker, but them bringing back Jamie Collins makes me wonder if that is the case. Like, is he going to be treated as their midseason acquisition to bolster a position of need? The only other position I could see is pass rusher. And that is because uh, I think Matt Judon is outstanding. He is great out there. Uh, but I, I think that the Patriots are, you know, Chase Winovich is on the IR. They perhaps... Uh, Maybe they're not thrilled with how Kyle Van Noy has been performing out there, or you know Ronnie Perkins hasn't seen the field. Dietrich Wise is primarily a running down guy. I think Van Noy has been fine in his return, but if, if you were the Patriots and you're saying, how can I get this defense to the next level, and we feel like we've already addressed the inside linebacker position with Jamie Collins, I would say let's see if there's anybody on the edge that we could bring in, a veteran uh, you know, that, that could give them a little bit of a boost. Interesting. Okay, obviously secondary has been the big question. Talk to Jason McCord. Maybe like Deron Harmon could come back in a safety role. He wouldn't require too much. The Falcons are probably in a fire sale. But I think they won't go in secondary. I don't think they make any trades, personally. That's my prediction. However, I'm going to make a kind of wild, kind of shot in the dark, but could possibly work in terms of just veteran presence, someone that has some familiarity with, not overly happy where he is right now, but would likely be a pretty a heftier price for a trade than the Patriots are willing to cough up. And that is Texans receiver Brandon Cooks. Ooh, I wonder if, if he might be available. I'm not sure what they would have to give up for him, but he was very successful with the Patriots. He'd give them kind of that big play threat. He knows the system. He's got good speed, steady hands. I, I just think it's a really good fit. The question just is, will they will the Texans want to give him up, A, and B, what will the cost be? I love that. I mean, I, I think that the Texans are in full rebuild mode. They would want all of the draft capital that they could get. Uh, Patriots know what they're getting with Cooks. He did fit in well here. He would be an absolute improvement over Aguilar on the outside, as well as like supplant, uh, supplant Bourne as well, uh, who I think Bourne is great, but he should be a wide receiver three as opposed to a wide receiver two. Uh, Cooks would have a huge trickle-down impact on the rest of the offense. I would love him to come back. And to be honest, I would love just like... <laughs> 
getting the band back together a la Jamie Collins. Bring back Trey Flowers. The Lions are going nowhere. They need all the draft capital they can get, too. Give them a, give them a fifth for Trey Flowers. I know he has a big contract, but sure. I mean, he, he could be that pass rusher that they're looking for. Bring back Jason McCourty. He'll give them some of that veteran set presence in that secondary. I think that is uh, great. I would love for them to, to go target Brandon Cooks because, yeah, maybe, like, they don't necessarily need to have that bolster uh, on the offensive skill position, but it would absolutely take them over the top. And if he's here for a longer-term contract, if you're trying to surround Mac Jones with the best talent possible, hey, why not? The, the AFC is completely wide open, uh, and, and I think Brandon Cooks would absolutely put the Patriots into that uh, second echelon of the the conference behind only the Bills. Would be sweet. While we're talking about old Patriots, let's bring back Logan Ryan too. He's on the Giants. Yeah. Why the hell not? Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think nothing happens come Tuesday. I'll uh, come today at four <laughs> o'clock. Excuse me, but um, that would be cool to see a Brandon Cook trade. Yeah, I, I just don't know what they have to give up for him. It's really worth it because they're they're doing okay right now. But it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Very exciting time. Rich, I don't know what to make of this coming up game against the Panthers. Sam Darnold's a big question mark. I don't know if McCaffrey's going to play. Uh, I know we have to break it down on Thursday. We'll have a little more intel on terms of injury situation and who's going to play, who's not. But the Panthers aren't good. They are good. They look. <laughs> they, I don't really know what to make of this team. What are your kind of early preview thoughts on the Panthers coming up for Week Nine? Yeah, I mean they just broke a four-game losing streak with a barely victory over the Atlanta Falcons. So they're they're definitely in struggle mode right now. They are a running back intensive team. Uh, Chuba Hubbard has replaced Christian McCaffrey in the lineup due to McCaffrey's injury. Uh, and they haven't really dropped off too much. I mean, obviously, McCaffrey is a much, much, much better player. Uh, but uh, you look at the players on this roster, you have DJ Moore, who in the Patriots matchup will absolutely put uh, J.C. Jackson in coverage of. Uh, or, you know, you have Robbie Anderson out there who has caught a shockingly abysmal 18 of 50 targets, 204 wow. yards and two touchdowns. He has no connection with Sam Darnold. It's really sad out that uh, that way. Um but perhaps if they're like, you know what, Robbie Anderson, let's give J.C. Jackson a one-on-one -on -one and let's give Jalen Mills and safety help to DJ Moore, I'd understand that as well because this is a two-trick pony team, whereas if Moore is covered, there is no passing attack. And so if I'm the Patriots, I would say let's just stack the box against the running backs uh, and, then, and then trust that our secondary can do their job against these guys uh, because this is a very, very uh, not strong Offense. I think that there's definitely not a lot of space there for uh, them to be, like, you know, bottom five offense in the league. Conversely, they do have one of the best defenses in the league. They rank fourth in points allowed per drive, first in time of possession allowed, second in yards allowed. Like, this is a very strong defense, and they've played some pretty good offenses that are like, capable of moving the ball. And so I, I think that's indicative that the Patriots are going to have their hands full. It's going to be a grinded-out kind of a game. Um, but we'll definitely break more of this down after the trade deadline and on our Thursday podcast. Yes, we will. And the only thing that's concerning to me, Rich, is it's the NFC. And the Patriots don't seem to win against the NFC in 2021. But, again, lock that between now and then. And hopefully we'll have some exciting news in terms of some new shiny toys the Patriots can play with come 4 o'clock p.m. today. But be sure to stay tuned for that. We break it down in a couple days. Absolutely. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later.